live from Lessons from the Front. We are live with Carry the Loads Lessons from the Front, and I have with me today a fantastic guest. My name is Todd Boating, and I am excited to welcome my good friend, my fellow Marine, Jacob Schick, and that's all the intro I'm going to do because I'm ready to get talking with you, my friend. How are you? I'm on the top side of the soil, brother. Can't complain. And top side of the soil is a good place to be. That's right. Indeed. So, man, you know, I'm, I'm excited to talk to you, not just because uh, of, of our history together, not just because of 22 Kill, uh, but I'm, just every time I talk to you, I feel like I walk away with, with a hell of a lot more information than when I walked into the conversation with um, <laughs> And that is, that is, no, I'm serious. I give you a lot of credit there because, um, you know, obviously based on some of the things you're probably going to talk about, you've had a lot of time in life to, to really reflect and be very introspective. And you've had, a, you've had time to figure out how to articulate that. And I just always walk away in a better position than when I got to see it. So all that being said, I want, as I always do, I want to set it up for everybody and put context behind anything you tell. Who was Jake Schick before you entered the Marine Corps? Great question. Um, I was a kid from Louisiana trying to find my way in the world, loved football from a very young age, loved Team athletics, really, just the team aspect I always uh, was very drawn to. Mainly trying to chase my older brother and his God-given natural ability on any field of play he walked on. So, uh, you know, I'm not sure I ever caught him, but, I, you know, I gave it hell. Uh, gave him for a run for his money in, in our later years in, in sports, but moved to Texas at a young age. Uh, parents divorced at a young age. Uh, you know, there was, I, I just believe there's the depths of my soul. There's no such thing as a cookie cutter childhood. I think that we all experience some form of mental and emotional trauma as a child, regardless of socioeconomic background, religion, uh, race, color, creed, I, I just believe is irrelevant. I, I think that we all experience some type of something in the form of uh, trauma and tragedies, young, young people. And so that, I definitely had that in my life at a young age and then uh, moved to Texas to the Greek city, Capel, when I was around 12 years old. And that's where I really started to develop athletically. Um, I wouldn't really say educationally. I kind of uh, was much more of a, of a dedicated student early on and, and went through, through, <laughs> puberty and it just changed it was education took a back seat uh but sports was really always on the forefront and uh wanting to be the united states marine was on the forefront uh since about the age of eight years old so that was really the the early on childhood and the whole coming of the marine corps life started so young because of uh being so close to my grandmother growing up and i'm, I'm a third generation marine after my grandfather uh, for World War II, fought in Iwo Jima, the island hopping campaign, Korea, and my uncle, Vietnam era. And uh, so I, I, my grandmother would talk about my grandfather, who died a couple years before I was born, and, you know, her chest would swell with pride, and her eyes would light up, and I just thought, man, okay, if she's going to talk about me that way, I've got to be a United States Marine. 
And so that, that's really where it all started for me in, in front of, from serving wearing a uniform standpoint. So you, you're a third generation Marine. You heard about it all the way growing up. Um, so in your mind, it was a foregone conclusion, mm -hmm. but I mean, there's, there, there was probably a, a lot more there between playing ball and, and that camaraderie that led you into the Marine Corps. What were the, what were the comparisons that you found between say, you know, playing football on that team versus, versus the teams that you found in the Marine Corps? You know, the, there's a lot of commonality to it, meaning um, like when I, when I speak to professional football teams or baseball teams or even the retired professional athletes, it is almost across the board them saying, you know, it's not the field that I miss so much it is, as it is the locker room or the clubhouse. You know, and so I think that for me, it, Marines, A, because best of the best, B, uh, because of the tradition, you know, my family is a very traditional family yep. and the Marines goes without saying, and even our Navy SEAL friends and our Ranger friends, all the, all the people that you and I both know will agree that as Marines, we adhere to tradition far more than any other branch. And it's just something right. that's been instilled in us from a very early time. And so that's something that I was very drawn to. I yeah. wanted that that solid foundation of tradition because I feel like it gives you an advantage out of the gate. And so that's something that really drew me to the Marine Corps. And then, you know, hearing about the Marine Corps and learning about the Marine Corps, I, I remember being, I was five years old and I was in Louisiana and I was visiting my grandmother, which was a very common thing. And uh, she took me down the street to Red's house. And his name wasn't Red, his nickname was Red. And he was a combat photographer in World War II. Oh, interesting. I remember sitting on Red's knee and he was showing me pictures after yeah. we, had, we had liberated a concentration camp. Mm. And I remember seeing the piles of emaciated bodies from these concentration camps and him explaining to me what happened and why that happened and what we as Americans did to help stop that evil from taking place. And I just remember thinking at five years old, like, man, I gotta, I gotta do my part. I gotta do something to contribute to the greater good to make sure this doesn't you, happen again. At five years old, you remember that? I mean, so that literally was one of your earliest memories then. That is a very vivid memory that stands out, uh, especially, in, you know, my, as you know, because we're personal friends, but my path to, through sobriety, you know, I'm starting to remember more and more things. That is, <laughs> that is one I, I never forgot. That was one that made a very, very drastic impact on me that has stuck with me. Just knowing that, you know, we got to keep focused on right things, right reasons, and that, you know, it's not always about us. And most oftentimes, it has nothing to do with us. It's about what can right. we do for those around us. But we have to be in our best place mentally, emotionally, physically. We have to be centered and healthy in order to be able to help them live their best lives around us. And, you know, that, that's why I'm a strong believer, too, in the saying that you are who you hang out with. I mean, that is yes. you, you are going to become the company you keep. 
it, it, those, all those things are not just sayings or, you know, analogies to me. They all ring true. They're very, very true. And, I, and trust me, I mean, I've danced on both sides of the road with those groups, and it is very true. And so having that. Yeah, oh, I was, hold, hold on a second. I wanted to ask you about that a little bit. Did, did you find yourself growing up dancing on, I mean, do you remember dancing with one of those groups growing up? And, and, that, and that doesn't say that people are bad. It just means that they're not right for you. No, um, no. Yes, I, 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 uh, yeah, I experienced all kinds, you know, all walks. Um, and I think that came, uh, that was a result of a lot of, you know, having parent issues. I won't even say mommy or daddy. I'll say on both sides, just not being, being firm in where I stood in the family dynamic and, and, you know, having older siblings and, having come from a very dysfunctional situation that regardless of what parent did what, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, my father uh, did the best he could with, with what he knew how to do. Of course it was right. a very situation to him, but you know, it's uh, yeah, there, there's no manual. There's no manual know, yeah. that comes with being a parent. There's no manual that comes with so many things we do in life. Life is, is a, it's a constantly learning evolution. Day dies, the day suffering. That's the way you got to look at it. None of us are ever going to have it figured out. Anyone that comes to me and they're like, hey, Jake, I figured it out about whatever it may be. Suicides, suicidal ideation, uh, you know, traumatic brain injury, post-traumatic stress, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Anyone that comes to me like, hey, I got it. Figured it out. I'm like, perfect. You and I never have to talk again. I have nothing to learn from <laughs> Okay. All right. So, so you obviously, it was a foregone conclusion for you that you were going into the Marine Corps. My guess is that you didn't even, you know, oblique, uh, oblique uh, right, left or anything. You just went straight into the Marine Corps uh, recruiting office. So uh, we know how you ended up there. From your time in service, and you experienced some things, and I'm going to let you take this wherever you want, but from your time in service, is there one memory, one episode, one impressionable moment that stands out and, and stays with you to this day in such a way that you use it as a way to teach other people about life. Yeah, I just got freedom bumps. Most people call them chill bumps, but I call them freedom bumps. I'm going with that next time it happens. Man, there's, there's so much more than one. There's so much more than one. Um, after, you know, <clears throat> just for those that don't know, I was severely wounded in um, Al-Assad, Iraq, a.k.a. the Sunni Triangle, Triangle of Death, Death Triangle in 2004. And uh, as a result of that gnarly day at the office, uh, uh, amputation of my right leg below the knee, multiple compound fractures in my left leg, left arm, broke all my ribs, traumatic brain injury, post-traumatic stress, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, yeah, yeah, you're just glossing over it like it was just a regular day at the office. Jay, it, it was a bad day at work. You know? It was a bad day. And it was a day I'll, I'll never forget uh, because you know, I was blown through the top of a Humvee, landed on my head. And I like to say, because God's a comedian, I never lost consciousness and everyone into shock. And it took the Blackhawk 42 minutes to come and get me. And so <laughs> I wasn't real happy. 
about the whole situation in its entirety. But the first, I'd like to talk about three, if I may, obviously very abbreviated, but the, the first situation that I'm very, very grateful for, thankful for, that I'll never forget, is being in the back of the second Humvee that wasn't hit. And... And the guys got me back up to the command post and Doc started working on me. And I was so pissed off because he would only hit me with two sticks of morphine and I knew he had more. <laughs> and, Give uh, it to me. Yeah. And I didn't know that, you know, clearly he, he, did, he was just trying not to kill me, I, but I wanted more drugs. But, um, you know, the only thing that wasn't crushed or destroyed in, in the explosion was my right arm. And I remember being in the back of the second Humvee up by the command post and all the guys got in the driver's seat because all we had to operate in were two-door soft-top Humvees. And this is early on in 2004. And we didn't have the, uh, the, the MRAPs and the giant vehicles that we see now. Right. We, we just didn't have them, especially in the Marine Corps, as you know, we're poor. Sure. Uh, we get it done. But – they would get in the driver's seat and I got to hold each one of their hands with my right arm. And I got to tell each one of them how much I loved them and how much they meant to me and how much I respected them and that I'm the Marine that I am because of them and that they have to go on and fight for me. Now I can't fight. I'm done. I'm out of the fight and that to take a good look at me because this is what our enemy wants to do. And so uh, they had to carry the flag and just to let them know, you know, you, we got to move the, take down the wall of the bravado and the bat, you know, I'm, I'm this big tough Marine. Like we got to take that, that all went to the side and it was very real in depth, soul to soul connection. It was human connection on a very authentic level. And that was one of the ones that it kind of teed me up for my journey after being severely wounded. It gave me a lot of motivation and a lot of internal fortitude to fight through the coming months that I was going to be basically having a thumb war with the Grim Reaper every single day for months on end. And, um, that would be my first one. The, the, the second one would be, uh, yeah, I remember when my dad told I'm in the hospital, I did 18 months in the hospital. I had over 50 mm-hmm. operations, over 20 blood transfusions. It was not, <clears throat> that was a, not, not a whole lot of fun about that whole situation. But I remember my dad coming to my room one day and he, and this was just a couple months after I got hit and he said, Hey, first sergeant's going to come see you. And I was like, Oh crap, man. He's first sergeant was the type of Marine that just fell off the poster. You know, he was the type of guy that be a drill master was did a ton of time on the drill field as a drill instructor. And so you know, he, he was, everything was locked tight. I mean, step and pop. He was the guy that, didn't miss a beat. And, um, and I just thought, Oh crap, he's going to probably finish the job. You know, he's probably pissed. I got. <laughs> and so I, I just thought to myself, well, I'll just, what I'll do is I'll just act like I'm, I'm asleep when he comes in the room and you know, then we're good. I'm on a lot of drugs. You know, they won't know any different. He won't know any different. And so that was my plan. Well, so my whole family's in my room and first sergeant shows up, knocks on the door. My dad opens the door and, he has a very distinct voice. And so when he said, good evening, Mr. Schick, I, I knew that's first order. And so I immediately was like, okay, I'm just going to have to sleep. Well, 
my my heart monitor ended up diming me out because you know you have the steady. <laughs> well, so my heart started pumping, BP went up, adrenaline started, and then so it was just the quicker. Boo, 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 boo. So I was like, all right, well, damn, they're not. They know I'm not asleep, and so um, just kind of opened my eyes like, oh man, this, uh, this is gonna be bad. And I will never forget first sergeant looking at my dad and saying, hey, Mr. Shick, you mind if I get a minute with my brother? And remember, everybody, like, there's a ton of people in my room. And he said, yeah, of course, First Sergeant, go ahead. He said, yeah, no, I'm going to need all of you to get the blank out. And I was like, <laughs> and I'm like, don't get out of the room. Don't leave, don't leave. <laughs> We're losing all the witnesses. <laughs> so everybody got out. And I remember first sergeant came around to the right side of my bed after everybody was out. My dad closed the door on the way out. And he held his right arm out as if to pick me up off the ground, the way someone would pick you up off the ground. And he put the back of my hand on his heart and the back of his hand on my heart. And he leaned his forehead on my forehead. And he just sat there for about three minutes. Didn't say a word. And he stood up and he touched my face, kind of like patted my face, and he walked out. And it was the strongest conversation I've ever had and not one word was spoken. It was probably the, f the most impactful moment of knowing I was a part of a tribe that was second to none I had ever had up to that point in my life. To where the bond is so strong, you don't even have to speak. And that is pure, unadulterated love that's what love is and yes. I remember when he walked out of the room he must have got emotional when he went when he broke the hatch at the doorway and my dad came in he was like hey first sergeant well of course I'm emotional at this point as soon as he's out of eyesight I get emotional my dad walks in looks at me and he goes hey first sergeant and then stops and he just shook his head and was like he just said man you marines are weird <laughs> oh. but that was um that was a moment no. where i felt out of all my time in the marine corps out of all the training the pain it's to experience that one moment as a united states marine with a senior united states marine who went on to become united states the sergeant major of the united states marine corps what is makes it's all worth it just for that one three-minute period. I mean, that's that's a strong story, Jake. And, and, you know, you've told me that before. I have heard that one before. And, and it, it just – it never ceases to grab me. And I, I think it's 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 one of the – I mean, first of all, there's there's two things to that story that, that stand out to me. Number one is I have learned how in the face – you know, either in the face of, of a disaster like that or – with, with that in your rearview mirror, I've learned from you the importance of maintaining a sense of humor. Mm -hmm. Like you said, God has a sense of humor because you were awake and conscious during that whole thing. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and I mean, I, I love that, the, the sense of humor that you have. But the other, the other part about that story is the power of silence. You know, and, and I actually listened to a podcast from somebody the other day, and it was, it, it was talking about the sound of silence. You know, it was, it was about, you know, the old Simon and Garfunkel. 
And when you really stop and think about the words to that and the story you just said, that silence said more than any words he could have said. Powerful. And, and that's, it's proof positive that most oftentimes less is more. Yes. And, and it was, it's just something that for me, I, you know, I can't wait to tell my kids about it. And because the way that my family loved me and the way that he loved me, the way my fellow Marines loved me, like they showed me, they didn't tell me, but they showed me what, what loving is. And, and I, I truly believe that from the time we're born to the time we die, we have two objectives and only two, regardless of socioeconomic background, what corner of the world you're from, race, color, creed, religion. I believe we have two objectives and it's to love and be loved. That's it. Everything in between is filler. And those, those, that's what I try and focus on. Now, look, I fall, I fall short. I fall short often because I'm, I'm a fundamentally flawed human being just like everybody else. And um, I'm very in tune with my flaws and because I have exercised them greatly in my <laughs> short time here on the spinning ball of chaos. But you, you've pushed them to the brink is what you're saying. I, I could, I, I very well could be known as captain envelope pusher in all things, but it's, <laughs> you know, it, it keeps it interesting. It keeps it interesting, but I I'm, I'm just so grateful because it's, as a leader, being able to be led by people that are driven by love first. Yes. And I had that with my first sergeant, with my gunny, with my platoon sergeant. My, I mean, COXO. I was so fortunate to have the leadership that I had. It was. I, I'm. I'm very fortunate because it's. I mean, that was with my football coaches in high school, middle school. Like it, it just carried over, and I've been very, very blessed and abundantly blessed just most oftentimes too ignorant to realize it and i'm i'm just so grateful because of the impact that so many people principals assistant principals school counselors teachers have had on my life that they've they've each made a special impression on my soul that i get to carry with me you know as long as god needs me and um yeah, I'm just grateful for that. I've just been very blessed. I'm very grateful to have come through a lot of the darkness that I've come through. Well, and, and I'm here to tell you that you have blessed a lot of people the way that you have touched a lot of people. And, 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 I, and I really, uh, that's a good segue. I know you said you had three stories, but I'm going to jump in here and give one myself because uh, for anyone who is, who is unfamiliar with this, Jacob Schick is actually the guy who first set us in motion for lessons from the front. He did it unknowingly. He did it unwittingly, but he did it because of a story that he was telling. And so Jake, the story uh, you may or may not recall was of the day that developed 360. Yeah, absolutely. And so, so when I first met uh, uh, Jacob, uh, I was introduced to him as, Hey, I want you to meet another Marine. This is Jake Schick. Uh, he's a little different because he got into a fight with an IED, but he actually won. And so I thought, okay, right out of the gate, I'm thinking, all right, you know, this is Clint Bruce that introduced us. And I thought, wow, that's okay. That's cool. I like to hear that story. Well, then I hear you telling your story. And I'd actually heard this more than, more than once about the day that you met that IED and, uh, and battled and won. Um, but it was the third time I heard the story and I was a complete bystander 
And of course I got the better late than never award in high school. And there's a reason for that because it took me three times for this to actually hit me. Um, but what happened uh, to Jake was like he said, he was thrown 30 feet through the, through the roof of the, uh, the Humvee comes down basically, you know, like he said, very conscious. And if I remember correctly, you wake up or you open your eyes and your entire squad is around you. And, and, and Jacob was the, the squad leader. The entire squad is around you looking down on you. Man, are you okay? Are you okay? Oh my God, look at him. And the first words out of Jake's mouth were, who's got the perimeter? That develop your that, uh, security. Yeah. yeah, develop your 360. Who's got the perimeter? In other words, and, and when you said that, the interpretation from, you know, that, that, that I heard was, hey, jack wagons, the bad guys are still out there and they're trying to do this to you. So develop a 360 and don't let them in. Yeah. And all of a sudden I went, oh my God, what a great lesson. Because the lesson was in the midst of chaos, when bad things happen, you cannot curl up into a ball because it, the bad guys are still coming. Yeah, evil. And so, yeah, I really, yeah, I really said it because I, I really didn't feel like getting shot at that moment. And I was like, <laughs> or, I just really don't want to get shot right now. Like it, but yeah, I, I remember that. And I, I, I figured you would bring it up, but it was, um, man, I think that that's, uh, you know, a lot of people say, you know, Jake, I can't imagine what you've been through, you know, all the operations, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I could sit here and tell you that, man, you know, it's cause I'm tough and I'm this or I'm that look, we're all humans. And, um, I attribute that to my training and the Marine Corps getting me where they needed me and being surrounded by Marines that are better than me. And by default, I was better. I attribute that to just doing the same thing a thousand times over and over and over and over uh, to the point of getting so sick of it and realizing that it was muscle memory because we were going to be in an environment yeah. where hopefully you react without thinking because you've done it so many times. And, uh, but that was one of those things where, look, bad things are going to happen. Evil is out yes. there. You have to drive forward. You have to grind forward. And, you know, people ask me, hey, Jake, how you doing? I like to say I'm just grinding with grace. Just grinding with grace. Because I'm just trying to remember I'm a fundamentally flawed human. Uh, sometimes I fall short as a leader. And, uh, you know, it, or as, a, as a father, as a friend, as a brother, as a son. And, and you know, that's okay. It's okay because we are all fundamentally, fundamentally flawed and it's okay to not yes. be okay. And I think that that's very important for people to remember is that we all struggle with the fact that we all suffer from the human element and the human condition. That's okay. So I, I'm glad you, I'm glad you went there because that, that allows us to kind of, you know, segue um, into uh, the tribe that is known as 22 kill. And you're right. We are. We're all fundamentally flawed. Could not agree with you more. But there, there are a lot of our brothers and sisters out there that don't understand that. And well, they may understand it, but they can't accept it. And I know right now, more than any other time, with all of this, you know, sequestering and, and, and you know, whatever in place, it's given people a lot of time to think about things that, that are not healthy. Right. So are you, are you guys seeing a, 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 I mean, first of all, tell everybody what, the, what is the mission of 22 kill? 
I should probably start. No worries. 20, 22 Kill is a nonprofit organization whose sole focus is mental wellness, uh, that we are completely centered around mental wellness for veterans, military, first responders, law enforcement officers, uh, now frontline healthcare workers, and all of their respective family members. That's, that's who we serve on a daily basis. And yes, we have seen an uptick for sure since the pandemic and the isolation, you know, isolating in place and shelter in place, et cetera, et cetera. We've seen an uptick and I, look, I have a, a very, I know because I've lived it, uh, people have is busy, you know, we all get really busy, busy lifestyles and we're going to this place, we're doing this, we're going here and doing that. And you know, every, the pause, you know, God just hit the pause buttons, everybody stop. And I, I think a lot of people are really learning that there's a significant difference from being alone and being lonely. And what the difference is, is that when you can be alone, you can be alone because you're at peace with where you are in your life journey. You're at peace with yourself. You know, you're practicing health and wellness when it comes to meditation or therapy or any gamut of, of, of healthy things to help, help you maintain a centered emotional and, and mental state. Being lonely is much different. That's when the pause button got hit and you, you, you got that gerbil running on the wheel. And then that, that starts stirring up some stuff in your soul that you thought was gone. And then next thing you know, you don't really have any healthy habits to fall on. You know, and, and I hadn't always been that way. I mean, trust me, mine used to be drugs and alcohol and, and sex and anything else you could think of that was not healthy. It was a not healthy way to deal with trauma and tragedy because there's a million ways to do it in an unhealthy manner. It doesn't have to be those things. It can be tons of other things. It can be religion or the gym or, or your job. And so I think people are starting to see that, okay, I need to get to the bottom of what I thought was lying dormant down there in my soul, because it's not, I, I can sit here and tell you from my own personal life experience and from being in this, in this battle for over a decade that look at trauma didn't go away. Tragedy doesn't go away. I and mean, people say, well, you know, you'll get over it in time. Time's going to help you. You're not going to get over it. You're going to learn to deal with it in a healthy manner or you're not. Yes. And that's what we need to focus on. We need to focus on, and that's why we say at 22 Killer Tagline, as you all know, one tribe, one fight. We're all in this life thing together. All you see, us. I got my you see, I got my shirt on, right? Hey, I noticed that. That's pretty sweet. Okay. Don did a great job designing that. That's my favorite carry the list. It, it is absolutely an awesome shirt. I love it. So, okay, so you you've seen an uptick. Um, which is, which is unfortunate, but it's also, you know, like you said, tragedy continues, trauma continues. Yeah. It's, it's hard to avoid it, but we got to keep it in check. And, you know, and, and I'm going to mention, you know, later on and uh, towards the end who I'm carrying this year. Um, and it is someone who, um, you know, who took his own life after, uh, after battle. He was actually uh, my mother-in-law's father uh, after World War II. Um, and, and I, and I got to tell you, uh, you know, this, this is, you know, me sharing my scars here. I did not used to understand suicide. I just didn't. I was, 
I am embarrassed about the way I used to view it. I was very immature about how I viewed it because I'm not wired that way. And I have finally come to the realization through organizations like yours and through reading books from, from folks who have recommended that to me from organizations like yours, it is a real sickness and we cannot ignore it. And you started something called, um, you know, we've got gold star, we've got blue star. Talk about the one that you guys, I think coined. Yeah, it's so it's white star families. And you know, what that is, is family members who've been affected by the act of suicide. So they've lost a loved one who wore the uniform or is wearing the uniform to their own hand. And the reason we did that is because, you know, traditionally gold star basically says that that's law. You're losing a family member in combat or a training incident is a gold star family. And, um, Essentially, what happened is the Gold Star didn't want people or family members who lost uh, a warrior to suicide at their table. This is essentially how it started. And it was like, well, you know what? Screw it. We'll build our own table. And that's how we coined White Star. Because to me and to the tribe, I mean, and all of them will speak to you on this because we've spoken to, we've met so many families now at this point Yes, that have lost someone and they deserve to be honored just as much as anybody else, just as much as anybody else, especially if, uh, you know, if you're a believer, you know, if you believe in a higher power and you say, well, you know, it's a coward's way out. Cause you and I talked about this on the phone yes. years ago. I used to be the same way. And then I found myself battling my own demons struggling with suicidal ideation and it's amazing how much I've evolved in my viewpoint on it because look to me it's between them and God and it's just like I tell the tribe like look it's not our job to figure out the why it's our job to figure out what's what's next what what can we do better that we're not already doing how do we adjust our left and right lateral limits how can we be better how can we be bigger, stronger, faster to be able to help more effectively? And it's not our job to figure out the why. No Amen. point going into the weeds. There's no point. You know, it's not our job to save lives. And I always say two reasons. There's a God, we're not him. Not our job. <laughs> our job is to give these people from all walks of life the tools to help them help themselves and to, to truly believe they're worth living well. Because that's the only way we can honor those that came before us and those that are going to come after us is by living well. There is no other way. Well, I mean, I want to, you know, personally thank you in that regard and, and, and the entire team at 22Kill. Y'all are a fantastic partner to us. And y'all are doing a – y'all are making a difference. And I know that you probably are aware of that. Uh, but – Y'all need to hear it more. Y'all are making a difference. I have, so. I, I appreciate you, brother. I mean, we look, as you know, carrying the load something so close to us, especially me personally, you know, knowing Stephen and Clint, as well as I do, you, Debbie, it is it is infectious what carry the load does. It's something that it it's unavoidable. And Look, the tribe at 22 Kills just believes in it, and their hearts and soul are in it. And because yep. the same way they're in our day-to-day -day mission, 
you know, one tribe, one fight is all of us. Yes. Everybody. Yes. You know, that's humankind leaning in, loving hard, and finding victory in our vulnerability and refusing to be hostages to our pride so we can live well. That's what it is. And Carry the Load is an un unbelievable, shining example of what can happen when people come together and refuse to put self first. Well, I appreciate all those kind words and I completely agree. And I, and I want to shift back to Jacob Schiff for, for, uh, to kind of wrap this thing up and close it out. So, you know, it, it's funny. I, I think quite a few people expected me to talk about a certain side of, of, of Jake Schick. And it would actually be really easy to go in here and ask you all kinds of questions about Hollywood and your relationship with Bradley Cooper and all of that. It'd be easy. Yeah. But I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it up only to that point. Yeah. And I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a little credit and then I wanna ask you a question about your experience there. One of the things that, that I remember you telling me when we went, I think we went to Blue Goose at one point for, uh, you know, for, uh, for lunch. And you were telling me that Bradley Cooper called you one day uh, after you guys had become friends through American Sniper. Mm -hmm. And he asked you to be, uh, he said, hey, man, I need you to come out to Hollywood. I need you to show up at a, uh, um, uh, and I need you to play a, a part in a movie. And I remember the question that you asked him as you were recounting that. You want to tell us about that? Your, the terms under which you were willing to be in the movie. Yeah. So, you know, he, he, he'd said, hey, you know, hey, bro, I need a favor. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, <clears throat> I'm neck deep in filming Stars Born and I don't have time to cast this role. You'd be perfect for the role. I just need you to basically just do the, the yelling Marine thing. And which he's you know heard me do from our time hanging out and uh, getting to know one another. And he said, uh, "I just need you to play this role. It's easy. You're, you're going to play Lady Gaga's boss. All you got to do is yell at her and you know call it a day." And I said, "Yeah." I said, "Cool, man." Um, but tell me this, because I was very familiar with Stars Born and the storyline from growing up. And uh, I said, "Well, you know, does the the lead role?" does the lead role die traditionally like in the other remakes of stars born? And he said, well, I'm not going to tell you that. And I said, all right, well, cool. Then I'm not doing it. And he's like, what? And he said, really, bro? And I was like, yeah, really, bro. I'm not doing it. I, I just, I need to do things that matter. I'm trying to do things that matter and that I can relate to. And I'm, I'm trying to leave this, this spin a ball of chaos better than I found it. It needs to matter. And he said, all right, yeah, bro. I mean, because Bradley's a very, you know, he's been clean and sober for a long time, and he's very well-centered, and, and just I've learned so much from a lot of ways. He's a mentor to me in so many different ways. And he said, yeah, okay, yeah, bro. Then he does. I was like, good to go. All right, well, yeah, send me the uh, flight info. I'll see you Monday. And that was really, <laughs> that's how it happened. He was like, that's all it is. But see, I, I, I mean, to me, that, that is the, the perfect example of how Jacob Schick has remained grounded. And, and, I, and I give you a lot of credit there. I mean, I've never, you know, I knew you before this. I knew you after it. It never went to your head. It's just who you are. And so I appreciate you being like that. Thank you, brother. Right. Yeah, listen, right, so, I'll, I'll, I'll leave. I'll say this. And this is, no, I no, guess. no. You're, this, is, this, is, this is my show. You're, you're not going to close us out. Because I, I got two more questions for you. Okay, go ahead. You go. 
All right. So I always, I always like to ask everybody one question totally out of the blue. You never would have thought about it. Okay. And, but I, I'm going to, I'm going to cheat a little bit. You have thought about this before okay. in the Marine Corps. We, we talk about, um, about prioritization of missions. And is it mission focused or is it troop focused? Meaning the, the main mission is to accomplish the mission. Or is the main mission to take care of the troops? Hmm. What say you, Mr. Schick? I hope you're not drinking out of the wrong bottle, too, by the way. I'm not. Uh, used to, but th this is just, it's different. I'm much more interested <laughs> now. Uh, so what comes first, mission accomplishment or troop welfare? Troop welfare, hands down. Why? Ten, ten times out of ten, because you're only as good as the people around you. You're only as good in, to in totality as the people around you. Doesn't matter. I, I mean, look, you're, not every mission is going to succeed. That there, you are going to fail in life. You, the group of people you're with are going to fail in life. Failure is inevitable. It is going to happen. Never, ever, ever allow the people that you love or the people that you're leading or the people that you're a part of take a back seat. Not worth it. It's not worth it. I don't give a crap what the Marine Corps saying is, the Army saying, the firefighter police. I don't care. People first. Put your people first. 22 Kill is where it is because of the people we have involved that work there, that volunteer, that are have, have experienced the unfortunate act of suicide, that have those that relate to it. That is why we are where we are. That is 100%. Why carry the load is where carry the load is. It's because of the people, not the mission. Don't get them, don't get them confused. I'm telling Amen. you, 100% of the time, troop welfare, hands down. Love it. I love it. Well, I'm going to have one final question for you that you wanted to take a, you wanted to, to throw something else out. Yeah. So, I, I was just going to say, you know, I, and I, I attribute this largely dad who's a hero to me through and through who's an executive banker and uh but man he's just uh you know the older you get the more the more you realize how wise some some of the people that raised you are and you know my dad always told me just to this will basically sum up my dad very simply always told me. So I have this sign above my, my, my boy's bathroom. And every time they go in and use the bathroom or leave the bathroom, I make, I make them read it going in and going out. And I'm like, I don't care if you can't see me in the house. I want to hear it. If you can't see me, yell it. I okay, dad. I got it. And all it says is it's right above the toilet. And all it says is stay humble, be kind, work hard. That's it. Oh, I love that. Stay humble, be kind, work hard. That's it. And so that's, well, that's kind of what I, I stay, you know, I, I try anyway, you know, I, I stay focused on because, you know, it's just, uh, we're just, we're all just people. That's it. That's it. Well, my friend, it, as always, it has been uh, my pleasure, I can assure you. And we're at that point where we're talking about, we're back to carry the load and we're talking about who we're carrying this year. So. Do you have anybody in particular you're carrying this year that you want to share with us? You know, the, uh, the first year I did carry the load, I did. Um, 
a very, very, very close friend of mine, fellow Marine, Ty. Um, he and I were in the hospital together in San Antonio, and we, we were the only two Marines for uh, a little bit of time, and, and man, we rose hell. But uh, he was the, that was, Ty was the first year I did carry the load. I was the only one I carried, and so much happened so quickly that I will never again say just one name that I'm carrying. Uh, because at this point, it's a mental Rolodex. And I've, I've been so fortunate to come to love, truly love so many people. Yes. And then, unfortunately, we've lost so many. I will never, ever again name just one name. That's just personally for me. I'm, um, I'll just never do it. I'm carrying a lot. And I think um, not just for carrying the load. I think them and their families – help push me daily and when I get tired and I get down or beaten down or sad or depressed and I start thinking about them and their legacies because we are the gatekeepers of their legacy and um, that's all the push I usually need to get me out of the rabbit hole to keep grinding with grace so I won't love that won't name one we are we are the gatekeepers of their legacy. Uh, I think I'm going to use that as a quote at some point because that, that, was, that was pretty good. Cool. All right. No worries. <laughs> hey, hey, you know what? If, if you're like me, if you steal it from me, you probably stole it twice anyway. So, uh, you know. <laughs> hey, Jacob Schick, uh, Marine, man, I can't tell you how much it is, uh, how much of a pleasure it is to see you. You know, like I said, every time I get together with you, I feel invigorated. I feel alive. And you have that kind of impact on people. And I want you to know that in case not enough, in case you hadn't heard that enough, because you, sir, are making a difference in this world. And I truly appreciate that. So well, thanks for being here. Thank you, brother. I love you, man. And love you too. Love the mission, love the people. And uh, man, we're, we're, uh, we're going to come through this whole pandemic thing on the top side. It's, it's, uh, just got to grab what we do. That's it. That's it. That's what we'll, we do. We'll get through it. So thank you, brother. I appreciate you guys. and love you. For all of you out there watching, thank you very much for being here with us tonight. Uh, you know, again, it was a pleasure for me to talk to my friend, Jake Schick. Um, and I want you to remember just this one thing. My name is Todd Boating, and I am carrying Sergeant R.E. Worley of Shippensburg, Pennsylvania. Who are you carrying?